we thank you. Hallelujah. Come on, he's in this house. We thank you, Lord, for everyone that's able to make it to your house, God. And we're praying that you would speak to us here today. Touch our hearts and touch our minds. Touch every visitor and every saint, God. Hallelujah. We give you praise. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Good to see every, everybody smiling face in the house of God. I showed up after preaching in Fallon. I saw all these cars in the parking lot. I thought, man, everybody showed up early to pray. Looks like somebody showed up to party. So, hallelujah. I'm, I, I hope the church is ready to party as well. Amen. Romans 3 and 23. The Bible says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all. A couple people, just a few, the bad ones, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. And you may be seated. We are continuing our series on this, this teaching series this year about to be continued. We're talking about apostles' doctrine uh, currently. And uh, we just spent the last six weeks or so talking about the oneness of God. And now we're going to move in and talk about sin and salvation. So today, I'm going to talk to us about sin. Everybody said sin. Now, to preface this, I don't want people to feel condemned or... Uh, to feel bad or anything like that. I know that there's preachers that when they get up behind the pulpit, they've got a mallet in one hand and a mic in another. I don't believe in doing that. Um, and so uh, I want this to come from a very uh, helpful and educational, revelatory way of presenting it. Uh, somebody once asked this, and you've probably heard it, you probably asked it yourself. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? Right? How many people have ever said, man, I want the good news first? No, most of us want to end with the good news in mind. And if, let me give you the bad news real quick. You're a sinner. Let me give myself some bad news. I'm a sinner. But let me give us the good news. You can be a saint. Amen. And so gospel, the gospel, we talk about the gospel. What is the gospel? Gospel simply means good news. But you can't fully appreciate the good news if you don't understand the bad news. I could look at uh, some healthy individual and tell them, you're cancer free. And they might not give you much of a response because it's kind of, well, duh, I've, I'm healthy. But if I were to look at somebody and say, you're dying of stage four cancer, and you don't have but a few moments to live, and then I come back and say, good news, there's a cure for your disease, and you can be healed. Who do you think is going to shout more? The person that has a revelation of how dire their condition really was. The person that recognizes just how desperately in need they are of salvation, of fixing. Jesus put it this way, when they mocked the woman that was worshiping him, he says, they that have been forgiven of much, the same love much. 
And so you'll have to just forgive some of us when we come and worship at church because some of us have a revelation that others don't have. You don't know like I know just how messed up I was, how, how destitute and afflicted I was, amen? And so you can't ever look down on somebody that, that is doing their best to love God because you just don't know where they were. And they have a revelation. Jesus himself stated it. They've got a revelation that others may not have. And, and the danger of not talking about sin is people lack a revelation. They lack a revelation and they start getting into what we know is self-righteousness. Now, we do believe in biblical righteousness. We do believe in God-imputed righteousness. We'll talk about all of that uh, in the next coming weeks. Um, but we do not agree with self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is what says, I am better than you, therefore I am okay. And it is to judge everybody else's sins uh, against your own righteousness, your own goodness. This is where we'll get off into uh, a humanistic way of thinking that because I don't kill anybody, I'm a good person. And the person that thinks that way always has a way of writing everything off that they're doing wrong. Because I don't do this. Now, you go to jails or, or prisons, and you talk to the, to the murderer, and he'll say, whoa, I just kill people, but, but I'm not like that guy over there that hurt children, right? Because they, in their mind, have levels of sin and levels of morality. And, and it's those very mindsets and concepts that people will bring into the church, and they will say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And Jesus later tells uh, a, a parable. Uh, about about a Pharisee praying and a sinner in public and praying, and that that public or that 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 Pharisee, the Bible says, and I don't have time to talk about this, but I love the way it words it. We'll talk about it one day. He thus prayed with himself, and and when you talk about how great you are, you're only talking to yourself, and you're only talking to yourself up. And so he beat his chest and said, "I'm so grateful. I'm not like that guy," and that is self righteousness. And unfortunately, if that ever creeps into the church, we will start excusing the things we are doing wrong because we're not doing the wrong they are doing. And in order to set it in, in motion and to set it in proper order, we have got to have a revelation of sin. And it starts with a revelation that I am a sinner. It starts knowing. I don't care if you only told one lie in your entire life. You're just as bad as Pinocchio. You have messed up. You have sinned. I don't care if all you did was kick your brother when you were five years old. You have sinned. And to have that revelation is to know that I deserve the same punishment as the murderer, the thief, everything that I see as being worse than me. And then when you come into church with that revelation, when you go to worship and you, re you worship God because you're forgiven, it doesn't matter if you're the person that just told one lie. You will worship as exuberantly as the ex-convict, as the ex-drug addict, because you realize that your sin was just as great. Hallelujah. So let's talk about this for a moment. What is sin? That word is tossed around in our culture. It's tossed around in the church. In the original language of the Bible, sin simply means to miss the mark. It is like an archery term. And, 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 and a lot of people think that sin, and they've been taught that sin, sin is when you go opposite of God and you've turned 
and, and they tell you that when you sin, what you got to do is turn 180 degrees and go back to God. Unfortunately, you're not always 180 degrees off. And people will go, they're only one or two degrees off, they'll turn 180 and they'll go from just being a, a rotten sinner to a self-righteous sinner. And they've gone from one extreme to the other. And there is a pendulum in the church if you're not careful. And so you don't just turn, uh, if you miss the mark when you're shooting a bow, I've got any hunters in here, if you miss the mark, do you turn around? No. You just readjust, recalibrate that one to two degrees, and you shoot. And when you shoot, you hit your mark, and that's when you have escaped sin. And so when we sin, we are missing the mark. What does missing the mark mean? Sin is basically missing the mark with any thought or action that falls short of God's will and God's perfect intent. And so often when we sin, when we fall into sin, what are we doing? We are doing what our original text said. We are falling short of the glory of God. We are just coming. It might be just one degree, two degrees. You might be a million miles away, but you're just falling a little bit short of what God originally intended. And so then when you realize that, you have to recalibrate yourself and go towards what you know God is calling you to do and know what God is calling you to be. Amen. So let's talk about this Genesis 4 and 7. Let's talk about sin a little bit. What does the Bible define sin as? What, is, what does God see sin as? He's talking to Cain right here. And God says, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, Sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God is personifying sin as a crouching beast that is waiting at the door of your life, ready to lunge at you as soon as you open up. It is going to rule over you, Cain. It is going, you're going to be owned by its desire. It will rule you. It will run your life. And how many knows that sin will take you further than you ever signed up for? It's just the way of nature. It's the way of life. It's the path of least resistance. And he is telling Cain that the way sin operates, the sin, that sin operates like a lion that is ready to pounce at, at the moment's notice. But it is you and I that opens the door. And, and we know what happened with Cain. Cain opened the door and it ruined his life. Let's talk about different types of sin. There is really two categories of sin, uh, if we were to break it down. Of course, we could go into this. How many's heard of the seven deadly sins? Okay, that's wrong. They're all deadly. <laughs> They'll all kill you. There's not a certain type of snake that'll kill you. It's, it's every last one of them. So, but really, we could break it down into two categories. There are sins of commission. That is to commit a sin. Anything that you've thought said or done wrong is a sin of commission. First uh, John 3 and 4. And then we'll be going to John uh, 8. The Bible says this, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth. Man, I'm messing up today. I've been going since 6 in the morning. Also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Anybody who commits sin is transgressing God's law. If you are disobeying, you read that backwards. If you are disobeying God's law, you are a transgressor. Therefore, we are sinners. 
And we have all fallen into that category. John 8 and 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Again, Cain, when you start living as a sinner. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment. There's a difference between sinning and living in sin. Big difference. Making a mistake and living in a mistake. And here, he is letting us know that the way sin really wants to operate, just like it did in Cain's life, it wants to rule over you. It wants you to make you a slave. Uh, that's, that's why I'm not okay with any addiction. I don't think the Bible's okay with any addiction. I don't care if it's gambling, cigarettes, alcohol, because at the end of it all, what are we seeing? You're the servant. Oh, I can quit anytime I want, but, but at the end of the day, when you're stressed out, what do you turn to, to prayer or to your cigarettes? And I'm not trying to judge anybody. I hope that, that doesn't come across wrong. But, but at the end of it all, what is sin trying to do? Rule over you. Sin is trying to replace God in your life. It's trying to be the king of your life. It's trying to be the ruler of your life. And Jesus is saying anybody that's committing sin is the servant to that sin. Amen. So the sin of commission, I think that one's the one we talk about the most. You did this. And where shame and guilt often comes in is I should have never done that. I can't believe I went there. I can't believe I was with that person. I can't believe it. And for the rest of life, what are you, what are you, what are you uh, representing? You are the servant to that sin. You're the servant to shame and guilt because you know I shouldn't have done that. And most of the time, we get caught up on this sin. This is the category of sin. Well, they're a liar. They're a cheat. They're a thief. They're a murderer. They're a, they're, they're a this. They're a gossip. They're, and we get caught up on the commission, on what people have done wrong. And when we come to the altar and we make an altar call, it almost always is people that want to say, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong wrong and that's okay that's what the altar's for the altar's a place where you can say i've done wrong god help me but there's a second category of sin and it's the sin of omission and that is to not commit righteousness anything that you should have thought said or done right but you didn't and too often we will only come and confess the areas that we've done wrong but we are not willing to come and confess the areas we didn't do right. Let's go to uh, James chapter 4 and verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It is not just sin when you know something's wrong. It is sin when you know something's right and you don't do it. And, and I'll be honest with you. The, the, when I first came to God, every repentance was what I did wrong shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have seen that. I shouldn't have watched that. I shouldn't have, oh, God, forgive me. But the longer I've lived for God, I spend more of my time. I'm not a perfect individual. I do have to say, God, I did that wrong. I shouldn't have said that, whatever the case may be. And I have to repent over commission. But I'll be honest with you. The longer I've lived for God, the more that I fall into repenting over this category right here. God, I know I should have been praying. God, I know you told me to talk to that person, but I didn't. I, I know it's not the things, that, and, and this is this is where it, everybody got to fall into one of these categories one time or another, uh, and, and it's not always. You know, some people, they get all of the commissions in out of their life. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't smoke. I don't run with those that do. I don't gamble, I, and, and they will stand there and say, I'm so glad I'm not like the other person. 
but at the same time, we could talk about the fact that they're judging other people. But, uh, but at the same time, they they're they're not they're not doing something they know is right. They're not loving their brother. They're not taking care of the church. They're not they're not. There's just things in life where we omit them. Let's go on and let's talk about some people that did this. And again, you'll find this is this is actually uh, really the. The besetting sin of the church is is the sins of omission, not commission. Uh, we're doing pretty well about baptizing people, getting them the Holy Ghost, and and getting people to get rid of things. But getting people to gain new things that are right is a little harder. God could get Israel out of Egypt, but He took a long time getting Egypt out of Israel and getting those customs and those methods, and and then to try to then there's a whole another period of time when they're in the Promised Land. He's trying to get the real Israel into Israel. You're a nation, not a bunch of slaves. You're, you know, and getting that slave mentality out of them takes time. Matthew 23 and 23. These are pretty powerful words from Jesus. Uh, I'm telling people the bad news to hear today, but I promise we got good news coming. So he says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. People like to throw that, that, throw that word around in the church. Everybody's a hypocrite but you. Uh, <laughs> For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These things ought you to have done, but get this, and not to leave the other undone. So I'm going to pray and have faith and smoke. I'm going to have faith, and I'm going to have mercy, and I'm going to have all these. I'm not going to omit these things, but I'm going to go sleep around, and I'm going to go to the club, and I'm going to go to the casino. And I, Okay, I'm preaching to somebody right now. But, But he says, what you're doing is not wrong, but what you've not done is. You've omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, faith. You know, when you don't give mercy... When everything's a judgment, when everything's critical, well, that's an omission. Amen. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the original, the origins of sin. 1 John 3 and 8. Who sinned first? Adam or Eve? Does anybody know? Nope, neither of them. 1 John 3 and 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. And then we'll read the good news. Let's get some folks some good news. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Somebody say hallelujah. The devil sinneth from the beginning. He had pride. We don't have time to get into all of that right now. But it was the devil that sinneth from the beginning. And now he's trying his best to entrap and ensnare the rest of the world in sin. And that's exactly what happened in the garden. Eve is standing there at a tree she shouldn't be near. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And and she sees something, and she knows it's not right. She knows she should stay away from it. And instead, the devil starts a conversation. And you should never have a conversation where God put a period. There should never be a discussion with the devil when God said no. There's, when, when God says no, that's it. There's no conversation about it, no discussion about it. Hallelujah. And so 
He sinned first and then caused Adam and Eve to fall into sin through disobedience to God's word. Romans 5 and 12. Hallelujah. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so we look at this and we realize the devil sinned from the beginning, and he ensnared man, and now sin has entered into the world. Before, the devil sinned from the beginning, but it hadn't entered into the world. And now, because of the disobedience of man, and the disobedience of man towards God, sin enters into the world, and death by sin. And now, all men have sinned. Psalms 51 and 5. Well, what about, what about you know, uh, they're just three years old. Well, it, it, it's in our nature, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. David said, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. It is, it is in our bloodline. It has passed down. Death passed all the way from Adam, and it's come all the way down. And we're not just talking about physical death. It is, it is not just the, the, the ceasing to be, but what it is is the dying process. And, and it's the degrading of humanity. It is the, the coming down. It is when things start breaking apart and breaking down. And that is why the world is not getting better, but it's getting worse. The world has gotten worse and worse and worse because sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, it took us from the position and the perfect will of God. And, and as the Bible said, all of sin had come short of the glory of God. It has pulled us down, down, down. And every child was born into sin. And, and, and so we look at this and we realize that's why you don't have to teach a child to lie, cheat, or steal. Uh, they didn't pick that up from you. Well, maybe they did. Who knows? But they, they have got that in their nature. It's the very nature that Adam and Eve had once they sinned. They decided we're going to hide from God, and we're going to lie, and we're going to conceal, and we're going to try to not say anything about it. And that's why you'll ask your kid, did you take that, knowing they took it? And they'll say no, and uh, they'll hide it behind their back. And, and, and it's, their, it's their coping mechanism to try to get out of judgment or the perceived judgment that's coming. And, and so it is in our nature. But what about the person that says, well, what do you mean? I, I'm not a sinner. I am a good person. Ecclesiastes 7 and 20. Thank you. I got one person that likes it. Hallelujah. No, I'm just kidding. I love I just love teaching, man. This is this is where you grow. This is where you grow right here. Ecclesiastes 7 and 20 for all the good people out there. For there is not a just man or woman upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There's not one individual here on the earth that has not sinned. And the sooner we come to realize that, the sooner we might have a little mercy on one another. Because the minute we realize we need mercy, we are a lot more apt to start giving mercy. In fact, Jesus said, if you don't give mercy, the mercy that I gave to you will be revoked. Hallelujah. So, 1 John 1 and 8. But I'm a good person. I'm a good individual. Well, let's talk about how you judge goodness. 
let's read this verse first. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here's the good news for somebody here today, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We have got to come to the realization we've all sinned. And I know that sounds redundant, but you'd be shocked how many people I've talked to that have, have acted like they are just floating on cloud nine everywhere. And they just fly and, oh man, there's just angel's wings. And you might be an angel, but you're probably a fallen one. So, but maybe the horns are holding up the halo. I don't know. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all, every last person. The Bible talks about a rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, Good master, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? He's the only person in the New Testament that ever asked how to inherit eternal life. And he asks that and first starts off with good master. And Jesus looks at him and says, Why do you call me good? There's none good, no, but none but God. Now, was Jesus saying he wasn't God? No. What he was saying to this rich young ruler is, Who are you to judge what is good? There is only one element that can judge what is good, and that is God. There is only one defining factor of what is good. God is good. When we sing about God is good, we're not just talking about God has been good. We're talking about God's goodness. It is His goodness, the Bible said, that leads us to repentance. It is His nature to be good. And anything that's not good, anything that's not good is not of God. It is it is, it is sin. It is, it is just different and anybody who says well I can judge goodness based on something else that is that's not going to work there's only one constant factor that you can judge goodness and that's God and this is this is one of the biggest advocacies as to why we believe in God any uh, I, I'm gonna be honest with you I would not want to live in a world that is run by atheists I'm, I'm just talking logically I'm not talking about my opinions or my I would not what basis of morality do you well, they are mentally challenged, Adolf Hitler. Let's get rid of them. They don't have the right hair color. Let's get rid of them. They don't have the right this, that, or the other. You, you think this only happened one time in history with Adolf Hitler. No, you go Stalin. You go Pol Pot. You go all the way down through. You go into North Korea. They're currently doing it. You go to Sudan. You go, to, you go all across the world. And, and we see this in the leaders of those countries. But let's be real. What would happen if everybody was an atheist? Well, now, what's to stop me from killing you? Nothing. Because I felt good to do it. Some people say, the, the phrase, I think it was in the 70s, if it feels good, do it. Well, not everything will feel good later, so don't do it. You know, oh, it just, I just want to be happy. Well, then don't do that, and you'll probably be happy. Some people think if they get the immediate gratification, they'll be happier. You will not, you will not, you will not. Amen. So, goodness cannot be judged by anything else than God. And when we look at God and His moral purity, and his, his moral holiness, we can look and say, okay, that's our constant. And that does not change, and now we can judge our morality based on that. That's why, hey, don't be shocked when the world's the world. They're, they're, they're legalizing abortion and all these other things. We don't need to go picket abortion clinics and, and, 
and parades and you know we don't need to do that that's that's not going to affect anything your facebook posts do nothing your opinions and your no they do nothing hit your knees and pray because until people get back to god none of this stuff is going to change amen well i just got pastor i just got a picket ministry well picket somewhere else hallelujah amen let's keep going what are the consequences of sin man i sure like my sin omission or commission i like omitting church <laughs> i like committing this uh, let's go to the, the the book of genesis chapter 2 verse 17 before sin entered into the world this is what god said but the tree of the knowledge of the good of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it from the day that thou eat thereof thou shalt, shalt surely die so we see the very first punishment is death now, what kind of death are we talking about? A, we know we know there's physical death. Because from that moment forward, Adam and Eve begin to die. When they And here's, here's what trips me out about this whole scenario. Uh, it trips me out until I realize that I've done it so many times in my own life. There was two trees in that garden, life and death. And they chose to hang out with dead things. Can I preach to somebody? Instead of hanging out with life. And they thought this looks, I, I have to believe the tree of life wasn't that pretty. I have to believe that the tree of the knowledge of good, good and evil was decorated real nice. Looked like Christmas. Hallelujah. It just looked real pretty. And, and they saw it. In the Bible, she, she saw it. It was a tree to be desired to make one wise. And, it was, and she saw that it was good for food. Who determined it was good for food? God didn't. She changed her moral position. It's no longer what God says. It's what I think. And the minute you go with what you think or what you feel or what you see, it's the minute we all go off. Amen. And so it is a physical death. They started dying, but it is also a spiritual death because instead of eating of the tree of life, instead of going to the foot of the cross, instead of going to Calvary and getting life, because let me tell you, the cross is a bloody instrument of torture. And it doesn't always look as pretty. And Jesus was hanging on a tree. And it doesn't look as nice. It's not as appealing. And, oh, i got to let go of that. And i got to give up that. And I, I can't do this anymore. And I can't do that anymore. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can walk on the streets of gold. You can live for God. You can be a worshiper. And let me just say this. The devil got her. I'll tell you where the devil got her. Half God said, or half not God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the fruit of the garden. What did he say? He's saying, look at all the things God said you can't do. And God never put it this way. What did he say? He said, he said this before this verse. He said, of all the trees you may freely eat. And the devil comes by and says, you can't eat any of them. Oh, brother, you should stop living for God, brother Christian. Change your name, too. No, don't be a Christian. You can't do anything go to church oh can't watch this can't can't go there can't do that oh you you just you just can't it's just so hard that's where he got her and that's where the devil will get some folks he will get you so focused on a negative even though it's not a negative because god knows just like a good parent that if you do this it's going to hurt you oh you you can't sleep around and go to parties i'm sorry but the way i think of it i get to be married to one wife and have a good life and, and God positions that you can eat everything. There's goodness, there's mercy, there's favor, there's blessing. There's all these good things. And the devil comes by and says, you can't do anything. Stop conversing with the devil. 
We are blessed to be saved. We are blessed to be in church. We are blessed to be on our way to heaven. And I'm going to focus on all the things I get to do and not the things I can't do. Amen. Romans 6 and 23. And honestly, that's where some people get off. That's where they, they, miss, they miss it. They start looking at all the things they think they can't do, and they forget about what's good in their life. And, and it's like, you know, the, I, I know somebody who was dying. They were dying. And we prayed. They got healed. And then they stopped coming to church because it was too hard. Hold on. God just healed you. You're on your way to heaven. You, were, you, had, you had months to live. And now you got the rest of your life to live, and you don't even want to live for God, because he got focused on all the wrong things, and, uh, and and that just trips me out, man. That's just how some people are. Romans six and twenty three. What is the penalty of sin? The penalty or the wages, the payment. Uh, how many wants to get a paycheck this week? Amen. How many doesn't want this paycheck this week? <laughs> the paycheck of sin is death. But the gift of God, I'm going to give good news through this. Hopefully it helps somebody. But, thank God for that word right there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And somebody said amen. amen. Penalty of sin we've seen twice is death. Let's talk about this, Galatians 5, 19. We're, we're getting through this. and, and uh, We're going to just take our time on doctrine. How about that? Let's just take a moment. We'll just learn and we'll grow. And I uh, hope this is a blessing to somebody. Galatians 5.19, Paul is writing, and uh, I'll give you the good news before he starts talking after this about the gifts of the Spirit, or the fruits of the Spirit, I'm sorry. Uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, there's no restrictions on those. You can have as much of that as you want, but he's going to talk about this first, the, the bad news first. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we talk about physical death entered into the world through sin, but then Romans 3.23, Galatians 5.21, he lists a bunch of stuff. He says, anybody who's doing these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Uh, and I know that he didn't, he didn't give the full list. We don't, uh, I don't ever want to be the pastor that starts listing things off. You do this, you're going to hell. This ain't about heaven or hell. <laughs> this is about being with God. This is about being close to God. It's not about missing hell. And the minute we get past that, uh, we do have to talk about it. There's some things that will send you to hell, and we need to realize that. Sin will send us that direction, but the grace of God will get us out of that. Amen. And so... He starts talking about all these things. He says, I've talked about these, and, and you'd be shocked. Mind you, he's not writing this to the world. He's writing this to the church. In fact, he writes a book. He writes to the Corinthian church about the gifts of the Spirit. They're one of the most gifted churches. In the, they are the most gifted church we read about in the Bible. And he has to write a letter to tell a guy to not be with his mother, his, 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 his stepmother. Does that make sense? I don't want to get too much in the details. It's in the Bible. It's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. He says, put him out of the church. He's, he's not living right. And we have to realize that, that he's writing this to the church. Why? Because there's problems in the church. Oh, just the world has problems. No, the church does too. And the sooner we come to grips with that and realize that we're human, the sooner we can overcome these things. 
and instead of denying that, man, I struggle with this, let's admit, man, I might struggle with this, but I don't have to struggle with this forever. Amen. 1 John chapter 5 and 17. Well, are there levels to sin? There's different consequences to sin. There's no different levels of sin. So some people say, well, I know if I've been, I went to the South, and I'm going to tell you right now. I'll just say it straight up. Homosexuality is not worse than any other sin. Oh, I just got somebody right there. Oh, wait a minute. Now, there's different consequences to sin. Just like if I murder somebody, God might, God will forgive me, but I'm still going to jail. And there's different consequences. And Paul talks about fornication. Every other sin a man does without the body. But fornication he does with the body. He sins against his own body. Uh, but there's not different levels of sin. So we don't look down our nose at anybody, regardless of where they've been. And I know that rubs some people wrong. We want to be blessed. God, we're against sin. We are against sin, but we're also for salvation. Amen. And listen, they're going to come from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. They're going to come from San Francisco. They're going to come from everywhere. Uh, my home church, we had a guy walk in, uh, should I say, the drag queen of Seattle. Uh, his name was Bart. He walked into the church and said, I want to be saved, dying of AIDS. And he said, I, I want to be saved. I want to get out of this lifestyle. What would happen if the church said, oh, we don't, no, we don't, we don't. You're a sinner. You're filthy. Let me tell you right now that they are just as filthy as the liar, the cheat, the gambler, the unclean individual. It's just as, now there are different consequences to sin. There's just a what there's just something people sleep around they get they get diseases there's different consequences of sin but there's the same salvation for every sin. Amen. But when we talk about judgment, eternal judgment, there's not a different level of hell for that person than the next. Some people might disagree with me we can talk later, but I'm going to tell you right now, I've never found it in the Bible. There's one lake of fire. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is, there is no sin that doesn't equal death, is what that's saying. Every sin equals death. Every sin. Whoa, what about that one? That one's, that one's not as bad as that one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just punched my wife once in a while, but that's not that bad. Every, every sin will lead to death, eternal damnation. Again, we've got the good news here today. God will forgive you. God will save you. Amen. Revelation 21 and 8. I want you to see this for just a moment. Now, again, the Bible has a lot of lists. I didn't want to get into all of them because there's a lot in there. It talks about uh, people that are just God-haters and all sorts of stuff, and that's all the way through the Bible. You read your other verses. But this is, this is the lake of fire right here, folks. But the fearful, oh, well, what is fearful? I've omitted faith. So I didn't have faith, and I had nothing but fear. And so I didn't do what God told me to do because I was full of fear. Well, that's not going to send me to hell. Unfortunately, it will. Unbelieving. Again, omission. I lacked faith. We need to pray in the, in the Holy Ghost to build up our most holy faith. Amen. The abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers. Uh, and let me talk about witchcraft for a minute. The Bible says that, that, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's the same concept. It's manipulation. And you're going to have it your way and nobody else's way. And so that all goes in this category. It's not Harry, it's not Harry Potter. Okay? It's not a little 
okay? And ultimately, when you look at witchcraft, it's where we get the word pharmacy. Now, I'm not against pharmaceuticals in the sense of, of, of if you need to take something the doctor prescribed, uh, but the abuse of pharmaceuticals, okay? That's where we get that. And so, uh, we can talk about that another time. Idolaters and all liars. Well, I just told a little lie. I just, I just, I live one way at church, another way at home. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is what? The second death. What death have we been talking about the whole time? Not just physical death. Everybody's going to die. The difference between us and this is they eternally die, but we get born again. There's either two deaths or two lives you choose. You can either be born again or you can die twice, die in your sin. I, I don't know about you, but I want to be saved. I want to be saved. We're going to finish here in a moment, James 1 and 14. Let's talk about the progression of sin. And we'll have much more happy ones here in the near future, but we have to talk about this because many people are confused. They, well, what is sin? They've heard it all their life, and you're a sinner. But that's not to condemn anybody. That's to hopefully get people to realize where they need to turn. Uh, don't just don't just stay in your sin, die in your sin, turn towards God. Amen. But every man or woman is tempted when they are drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Okay, hold on, pause right there. Everybody's tempted. The Bible says that every temptation that has come, and it's common to man. Everybody's tempted. In fact, Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He's the only one that lived a sinless life. Why? Because he conquered the temptation. Everything starts with temptation. And that is how the devil gets people, hooks people. You're not tempted. Uh, if I were to grab somebody, uh, get, get somebody and, 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 and show them a, a dirty trash can, say, are you tempted by this? Nobody would be. But if I bring by a T-bone steak and I offer it to you, I know somebody from Denny's going to get my man ordered T-bone steaks at Denny's, so he, he'd be tempted by it. People would be tempted by it. That's what the devil does. The devil doesn't show up in everything you hate. He shows up in everything you've desired. The Bible says that Satan is transformed into an angel of light. He'll show up as the perfect boyfriend, perfect girlfriend, perfect this, perfect that, perfect opportunity. And it'll be an enticing opportunity. And you've got to see it for what it is because ultimately it might be a T-bone steak, but it's at the bottom of that trash can. And you're going to have to dig through the trash to get to it. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. It's something you desire, something you wanted, and he plays towards that. It's like Esau, who he, the devil knows you're hungry, and he, he puts forth pottage, and he puts forth everything you've been desiring and enticed, and then he works on you. And, and listen, I've seen it happen before in my home church. This, this is what happens. There's people, they'll have troubles in their marriage. And this person will have troubles, and that marriage will have troubles. I've seen it happen. I've got more stories than you got time. Uh, and listen, every great church has got them. And this person over here started, started getting tired of their spouse. And this person, and the devil just starts bringing them together. And they, uh, listen, I've seen people, this guy was 25 years older than this lady. He had nothing going for him. He's, you know, no offense to bald people. He's bald. He had no, but somehow the devil got them together. <laughs> God, God bless all the bald people up in here. He knows every number of hair on your head. <laughs> Somebody said amen. <laughs> I'm trying to make this a little lighter here today. But I've seen it. I've seen it. And he brings people together. And, and, and it's, it's stuff like that. And what's happening? He starts enticing. 
And he starts feeding that. And he's feeding your desire. He's feeding your lust. And, and it's the same thing with bitterness. He'll give you more reasons to be bitter. It's the same thing with rebellion. He'll give you more reasons to rise up. But you've got to fight it because you know that's my, my flesh's inclination to go towards those things. And I've got to resist. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And what happens? He flees. Verse 15. But there's always something that happens. Lust conceives just like a child. It's, it's conceiving. It's being birthed in you. That's why the Bible talks about it. It's the root of bitterness. It's planted in your life, and it begins to grow. And it bringeth forth sin. So is it a sin to be tempted? No. Jesus was tempted. Is it a sin to have, have everything you've ever wanted put right in front of you? No. But there's a conception that happens, and that's where sin is conceived. And sin is the action or the omission. And when it's finished, it brings forth Oh, but it was so nice. It looked so great. It was so appealing. But what's the end result? And, you know, I, I think that ultimately in my generation, because it's instant message, it's, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's everything's the click of a button, microwave, everything. It's so quick to see everything in the here and now. But previous generations had to wait weeks for letters. And so it's easy to go, well, if I send this letter, i got to wait two weeks for a reply, right? And it's easy to look down the road. And I think in this generation where we're missing it is we don't look down the road. And we don't see, well, well, Pastor, why are you going to take a stand against X, Y, and Z? I don't see the problem with that. Well, we've got to look down the road. What does it produce? In fact, that's why we're going to stand on historical stance. Yeah, we will. Well, man, everybody's got TV on their phone. Well, we're against not just the object of a television, but we're also going to take a stand against what's on your phone. Why? Because previous generations said no to TV when it was leave it to Beaver. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. They said no to Elvis. What's wrong with Elvis? This generation, you got to see what we got coming out there. But you know why they said no to it? Because they saw something's coming out of this. And the very things that now are acceptable are, would make Elvis look like a child. And, and, and what's happened? It's, it's conceived. It's bringing forth sin. And it's producing a generation. we got to look down the road. So when we take a stance as a church, it's not to hurt anybody. It's to help. It's to see your family in heaven. Somebody said amen. And uh, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, and i got just a few more minutes. Uh, Isaiah 59 and 2. This is what happens when we sin. What is the, what, in, in my opinion, I'm going to tell you what I think the biggest, the biggest issue with sin is. And it's right here in this verse. I don't believe the biggest issue is that you're going to go to hell. I really don't. I guess that maybe it's just my priorities are a little different in my mind. But this is what really scares me the most. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. How many people have said, I've committed something or I've omitted something, and they were, they were fearful to go to hell but not fearful that it separated them from God? And I think we'd, we'd find ourselves in a better position if it was like, what will this do to my walk with God? What will this do to my prayer life? What will this do to my worship? Am I going to be able to watch that for five hours, never read my Bible, never pray, and come worship freely on Sunday? At what point will this separate me from God? That's what we need to start asking. 
and your sins have hid his face from you, but he will not hear you. Because God and sin do not coexist. That's why, he's, that's why he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be the, made the righteousness of God. Amen. So the question to ask about sin is, is not just will this send me to hell? The minute we go, we grow beyond that, we can grow to another level. It says, will this get me closer to God? Will this bring me closer to the church? Will this bring me closer to my purpose in life? And if the answer is no, then maybe we ought to separate ourselves from that and not separate ourselves from God. One final, one final verse. Ezekiel 3 and 20. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. I, I want you to notice that God's going to put a lot of roadblocks in your way. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. You know why it's hard to be a transgressor? Because you're going to have to fight against the grace of God trying to save you. You're going to have to fight against the church praying for you. You're going to have to fight against people loving you. Listen, when you try to go your own direction, there's going to be the mercy of God standing between you. There's going to be, there's going to be an angel, and there's going to be a Balaam's donkey that will fall over, and I'll be that donkey if I have to, that makes sure you don't go that direction. Because if you go that direction, it's going to mean destruction. And people, let's be real. Let me just put it this way. Your friends in the world will not bury you. The church will. The ones that party with you will not be the ones to bury you and cry over your tombstone. It'll be your family and your church family. And so we need to think of it from that standpoint. God's putting roadblocks in your way. People in your life trying their best to hold on to you. You need to let them do it. Amen. Because they're trying to save you from your own destruction. Because... Thou hast not given him a warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Let me start with the bad news, and we'll move to the good news. I am the pastor here, and I, I, I take that job very seriously. I will preach it, I will teach it, I will say it with tears in my eyes if I have to. But we have to take a stand. Because I, I'm fearful of this verse right here. If I don't say something. You know what the greatest sin for a preacher is? Silence. If I don't say something, and you go your direction, and I don't say anything, and oh, you're fine. Everything's good. And I don't say anything. Then, 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 then your blood's on my hands. And I don't want to go to judgment and not give a good report over every individual in the church. Because the Bible does say I'm going to stand and give an account. And I'd love to do it. The Bible says that they might do it with joy. I don't want to do it with tears in my eyes. I'd love to say, oh, Brother So-and-so was a great guy. Man, he loved God. He served God, was faithful. Sister So-and-so was wonderful. You know what? They just, But I told him the truth. And that right there, my friends, is what's going to make the difference. So I'm going to take some stance. I'm going to say some things. You may not like them. You may not agree. But just if you don't, have, if you don't understand, ask me. I'll give you understanding. But also understand that I've got a mandate from God to explain and to talk. And the Bible says to instruct in all righteousness. And then it says that I'm going to help those. I'm going to uh, instruct those that oppose themselves. Did you know it's possible to be in opposition to yourself and not know it? When you stand against the word of God, you are opposing yourself. 
you are opposing your future. You are opposing what God really has for you. And, and, and honestly, it's not hard. It's, it's actually very hard to instruct those that are in opposition to themselves. Because you know that there's a better way for their life, but they want to go this direction. And so sometimes you've got to be like Balaam's donkey and just fall over. Say, we ain't moving. We're not moving until you get it because this is important. Let's go to the good news. Let's keep going. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. The Bible says that in preaching you might save those that save yourself and them that hear you. When I preach behind a pulpit, when anybody gets up to preach or teach, we are saving ourselves just as much as we are you. So you you got to thank God for every preacher, every teacher, everybody that's ever led you on the way to living for God, every saint that's ever kept you on the right path. Somebody say amen. you got to thank God for everybody that told you no, everybody that said hold on, every church mother that said don't do that, don't go there. Amen. Let's stand all across the building and lift up our hands. Come on, let's pray. There's good news here today. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, I pray right now, I think this would be a good opportunity for everyone to, to take a moment and repent. God, there's things that I've thought, things that I've said, things that I've done. God, I pray forgive me. But Lord, there's also things you've been telling me to think about telling me to say, telling me to do. You've been instructing me, but God, I've been omitting those things. God, forgive me. I should have prayed. I should have this, that, and the other, whatever it is, fill in the blank. But God, help me, Lord. Forgive me. God, I, you said if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive all sin and to cleanse from all unrighteousness, God. And I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor, Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody worship him. Come on, he took your sins away. He washed your sins away. It was the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or wrinkle. Thank you, Lord. You washed all my sins away.